Howdy, howdy, y'all. I'm Curtis Sunset. And I'm Leo Halston. And, and this is Weathery Rainbows. Howdy, howdy, y'all, and welcome back. Uh, we are in the midst of the holiday season, and we are sending out Christmas cards this year. So if you have not DM'd us your address on Instagram, uh, please go there and DM us. We want to send you out a Christmas card. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will also send a little gift as well. So uh, leave us a review, and we will either notice it or send us a little uh pick of it and we will make sure to get you your gift as well from us this week we're going to start out as we always do with the fun story time i will start this week um so this past friday night we uh had some christmas parties we uh, went to hedwig which was a, an amazing show that we'll talk about here in a little bit um but at the end of the night uh, i ended up at this christmas party and i really had to go pee <laughs> so uh, and one thing that uh, viewers might not know about me is I'm incredibly pee shy. And so the first thing I get told whenever I get to this party is, I hope you don't have to use the bathroom because there are five guys in a tub in the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. So um, I had like a choice to make. I could either go in the bathroom and try and probably have like people trying to look at certain things about me. Um, from the tub, or I could find a bottle uh, and try to use a bottle, or I could just get in the tub myself and uh, just probably pee in the tub because I don't think they would have noticed. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah. So, you know, they might have liked it. I don't know. I don't know what they were into. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I did choose uh, using the bottle outside, um, and I definitely. Uh, I feel sorry for this guy's like porch because I guarantee you I miss the bottle a lot. So, no, Curtis, no, <laughs> no. Like, okay, so were they having sex? Were they? Were, were... I don't think it was like that far. I think okay. they were just enjoying like these jet streams in this tub or, you know, something. It must have been a big uh, tub. It was a very big tub. Okay. Um, I was impressed. But um, I. I was like, well, maybe it's like a hot tub, but no, it was just like a jet stream tub. So I don't, I don't know what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, I really didn't go in and ask about it. So. Well, see, I, I, you know me, I would have, I mean, like what y'all doing up in there? Uh-huh. Y'all got clothes on? <laughs> I would ask all kinds of questions, you know, y'all need some mm -hmm. help company, you know, <laughs> you'd have been reaching and filling. Oh and... yeah. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure so they wouldn't mind. that's my little fun story for the week. Okay, so, well, my fun story uh, goes back about six, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe eight years. Who knows? Uh, mine's have to do with uh, a show, one of my first times doing a professional show. Um, 
I got hired to work at this uh, casino, Harris Casino. It was a celebrity lookalike show uh, where I portrayed Tina Turner and Donna Ross. And so uh, prior to opening night, we did all these rehearsals uh, with dancers and costuming, costume changes, all kind of that um, good stuff. And opening night uh, came and I'm nervous. Uh, Donna Ross opens the show. So, of course, I'm nervous. Um, and it's a pack house, people coming in. And so if you've ever been to a Donna Ross concert, uh, she likes to walk through the crowd. She likes to shake people's hands and do all this stuff. She have elaborate costumes by Mackie and all this stuff. So uh, my costume was a ball gown that revealed into a cat suit where the dancers come out and we start and do and we dance and stuff. So uh, opening night, uh, I walk out. You know, I'm I'm standing there on the stage. I'm on some steps on this big, huge stage because this is a theater like a ballroom theater the stage is big you know people like celine performing in there they've had all kind of celebrities performing there um a carrot top um who was a resident there in, in lake tahoe at the time this was in lake tahoe nevada and um so picture this opening night i'm standing there in my ball gown and down the rolls the curtains come up uh the crowd screaming you know because you know they want you to look like this celebrity so um, I'm performing and then it's time for me to go down into the audience. And soon as I get to the end of the stage, the step, I miss the first step and fall straight into the orchestra <laughs> pit. And all you could see was my legs sticking straight up and a ball gown. Like it was a big drop, like crazy. So I'm laying there. You can hear the crowd gas. And of course the music keep going. And I'm like laying there, like, what do you do? Do you play hurt or do you get up? <laughs> and I'm like, so it, that that took about a second to figure out. I say, just get up. It's a show. I got up. The crowd started yelling and screaming. So I went through the audience and started waving and stuff. Uh, so now it's time for me to get back on stage. And they had three little steep steps and then the stage. So I have to hold a microphone. And lift this big ass ball gown up to get back on stage. So I'm trying <laughs> to get back on the stage to make the costume change. And I'm just stepping on the ball gown. So I'm not going nowhere. I'm just like, at this point, I'm sliding down the steps. Oh, this my was goodness. opening night. It was being recorded. Uh, so the dancers had to come down and help me back up. The stairs. We missed the whole costume change. By the time the ball, <laughs> by the time the ball gown came off, it was the end of the song. So I was like, <laughs> this have been my nightmare for many years. And uh, I wanted to share that with uh, you and uh, our audience because, like, I just dreamed. I had a dream about this. It haunts me. And so I dreamed. <laughs> I had a dream about this. I said, I'm going to have to share this story. And, you know, things happen in the show. We've had a lot of things happen. So, right. But that was one of the most funniest because we la I laughed about it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> And at some point, I'm going to have to reach out to Dan Gore. He's uh, the producer of the show in Palm Springs. Uh, name of the show is Carnival Cabaret. I'm going to have to see if he have that footage of me falling off the stage. And, like, seriously, my legs were just straight <laughs> up. Like, it was like a like a scene from I Love Lucy or Carol Burnett show. Oh, my crazy. goodness. Uh, and we just, we laugh. We laugh about it. If I talk 
to the dancers from uh, from that show. We laugh. We still laugh about that. And I want to share that with you guys because sometimes you just got to laugh at stuff. Now, I, I right. was freaked out because it was opening night, but right. you know, sometimes you just got to laugh. So you fell into the orchestra pit? Yes. Now, mind you, so like, we didn't have, there were no nobody playing music. There was just chairs. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, I'm telling you, I'll, if, if I could find this footage, we going to post it. And uh oh, we've got to post that. That's, so, that's a necessity. It's so <laughs> funny because uh, my legs are like all you see, and then you see people jump up, but they don't know what to do. And so I finally right. like <laughs> roll over and get up and like wave, and you know, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this just happened in a big show, my first night in the show. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. So that's I, embarrassing. <laughs> it was it was very <laughs> embarrassing, and uh, but we like it's you know it like we laugh about it. You know, so many things happened during that show. Um, you know, Tina Turner, I wore I wore um what they call them that the pageant girls wear uh flippers. Flippers. I wore yeah. uh, flippers for Tina Turner, and, and at one point they popped out my mouth. <laughs> 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 they popped out my mouth doing proud Mary. <laughs> Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what flippers are, they're basically like teeth that you can put in that, you know, yeah, give you beautiful a lot teeth. of the, they, if you yeah. watch the pad, like little Miss Sunshine or little Miss Pageants or something like that, they all these, they make the little babies wear these falsies, which I hate them. <laughs> and, but, uh, Tina, apparently, you know, in these sh lookalike shows, they want you to be dead on your character yeah people pay a lot of money to come and you know they to see yeah. and you want to look like a character so apparently i didn't have tina turner's teeth so they made me get a flipper and i swear <laughs> to god i was like do 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 proud mary and it just <laughs> flew out my mouth <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh lordy yeah things we can look forward to when we oh, all get old <laughs> oh my god wow well, I think uh, that is a great segue yeah. uh, right into talking about what was a wonderful performance, oh. uh, which I didn't see any mishaps at this <laughs> performance. They were amazing. Yeah. Uh, at Hedwig this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, put on by Drag Daddy Productions. Uh, Lee and I had the privilege to go there on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, I was... I was amazed. I thought Gilda Wabbit and the rest of the cast and musicians were just incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, Tony Lewis uh, definitely know how to produce a show. Um, and, you know, Gilda, I, I I just remember telling her, like, I was in awe because I told her uh, I walked in expecting to see Gilda as Hedwig, but it was right. not Gilda. It was she played the shit out of that character. Like she was head. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. loved it. I love that she put she put her own take onto it and wore red hair instead of blonde, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know much about that story, but uh, I was very captivated. Like her singing was amazing. It was produced well. And yeah. the fact that she held that accent, that's why I was so amazed because it wasn't Gilda. I mean, I right. was like, yeah. wow. Yeah, I think it definitely showed a whole different side of her just acting capability. Oh, my um, God, yes. Like, she she definitely have a future. I'm, I'm, I told her Saturday night, I said, girl, this is, you have arrived. Like, seriously, you are, you're going places, you know? 
So, and I think this really puts uh, Tony Lewis and, and Drag Daddy Productions just, I mean, they were already on the map, but this, yeah. I think, really shows a whole new side of, of what they are capable of oh with my that God. production company. Yeah. Um, I know I plan on going to all the shows in the future, at least to see, you know, one of each show. So. Oh, my God. Snow White and the Seven Drag Queens is amazing. Uh, you know, he started yeah. there with a Chicago cast, and then he moved here. And uh, the first couple of times he did it, he brought the Chicago cast down, and then he wanted to do he, he wanted to do a Louisville cast. So now we have a Louisville-based cast um, that's doing it now. And if you guys have not seen Snow White and the Seven Drag Queens, it is amazing as well. Yeah, and I do believe that they are going to be doing the a holiday version of that, uh, uh, which yeah. is a little different from their regular version. Yeah, uh, this upcoming December eighteenth, uh, upcoming yeah. week. Yeah, so, so we definitely at- uh, highly suggest going out and seeing some Drag Daddy Productions uh, shows. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, because I haven't seen. Uh, I missed the last one they had, so I'm excited to see this one. And I, I do believe Gilda's playing two roles in this one, opposed to uh, one role last time she was doing it now she's playing two roles yeah she's just making all kinds of honey, moves <laughs> honey she's a she's a hard working girl you know like donna Summer yeah. said you work hard for the money honey she works hard for the mm. money let's talk about somebody who uh has probably lots of money by now uh somebody you've been begging to talk about for the last few weeks yeah and that is i finally listened to this album uh adele's new album that everybody is raving over i'm Uh, telling you i'm gonna let you take this one away because you you connected emotionally with this okay first of all listeners i am in love with this album because this album speaks i feel like she wrote she was in my head I maybe we met in a past lifetime and I sat down and told her my story because baby, this album, I listen to this album every time I do my makeup and from start to finish, I'm barely finishing my makeup because I'm like, yes, girls. Yes, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Girl, you know, every, I relate to this album and I love all of her albums, but the songs in this album, you know, you know, it, it boils down to, you know, she she wants to be loved. She was in love. And it's hard when you're in love. I've been there. I've been in love with a man. And it's hard to let. When you're in love with a man, it's hard to let them go. And I do believe right. that. I feel like she have moved on. But she still loved that man. And you can hear it in this album. And I've been there. I've been where. um you know, uh, he put me through so much, and but it's so hard to let them go because it's like, this is the one, you know? So, yeah, y'all, right. I'm telling y'all, if y'all have not listened to this album, baby. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and you made me listen to it uh, on my <laughs> way up to Louisville the other weekend. <laughs> and I told her, she, you know, she's got to owe me for my makeup that I ruined <laughs> all the way up there. But, uh, you know, Adele is the kind of person, yeah. she, she brings in that emotion. Yeah. Even if you don't relate entirely, you still feel yeah. the emotion in her songs. For me, I think I enjoyed her other albums better, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is I think I was just in a different place. Yeah. Like whenever, like, because, I mean, Adele is kind of grown up with me. We're about yeah. the same age, you know, so... Uh, when she releases something like it's almost identical to like what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, but this time, like, I feel like 
and maybe it's because I haven't had a relationship in like five years, Yeah, but I just, and I'm comfortable like now with like where I stand with all of my exes, with all of my past like endeavors. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that's why I just didn't relate as well to this one. I did. I don't know about you, but I definitely like a woman like me, baby, Adele, (laughs) you better speak, honey. She said, you ain't going to never find a woman like me. And that's what I'm talking about, girl. That's what I be telling them. You ain't going to never find nobody Mm -hmm. that's going to take care of you like I took care of you. You ain't going to never find nobody that cook like I cook for you. You ain't going (laughs) to find nobody that give you the good sex like I give you. (laughs) That's yeah. one of my favorite songs. But also about the album is I do love that the um, inserts from like her child talking and she's having a conversation mm-hmm. with her child. Like that's heartbreaking. You know, yeah. I love that they put actual footage of her talking in the album. I think that's what makes the album to me. If I if I could sing, I, you know, I would have all kind of shit in my album. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll be looking for that release. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, totally agree I won't be singing, honey, now. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, though. Like, the the parts where she was just speaking and, like, getting emotional, that, that yeah. was the parts that touched me the most by far. Because, I mean, you just, you you could hear that raw emotion. Yeah. Like, well, what she the, was yeah, going the, through. To be loved, to be loved, that, mm-hmm. I think that's the one I was telling you about where you can... I know she's still in love with that man, and I can I heard every note. I you could just hear the yeah. voice. Like I, I'm telling you, I y'all, I listen to this album every time I get painted. So that's on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, <laughs> and sometimes Sundays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can verify because I walked into your house the other day and you were listening to Adele, and I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this. Oh no, she <laughs> so. was blasting Adele. Mm-hmm. I had it on surround yeah. sound. I'm telling y'all, it's it's such a good CD. And um, you know, I wish I, you know, people, you know, I, I definitely understand what she's going through, and hopefully, she finds some peace. You know, and you know, yeah. it's just heartbreaking that you know, there's a, a artist uh, in the R and B community called Phyllis Hyman that I compare her to Adele. Phyllis Hyman sung some really sad music. And it was about all she wanted to do was be in love. And if you listen to Phyllis Hyman, if people sit down and just listen to Phyllis Hyman words in her music, it's beautiful music, but it's all ballads and it's all depressing. Yeah. You can hear all she's what's asking was to be loved. She just wanted to be loved. And unfortunately she committed suicide. Oh yeah. I have to listen to the songs. I've never listened to that. So. Yeah, Phyllis Hyman. But, yeah, I, yeah. Com- I compared her um, to. I compared Adele to her because, like, uh, there it's the same level of them singing about just wanting to be loved. Yeah, and I think that's one thing about Adele that's really speaks a lot is like you can be somebody that's incredibly well known, popular, yeah. famous, rich, and still go through the same exact emotions as everybody else when yeah. it comes to love. And, you know, I think we're all there when it like the to be love song, like we all have an ex or something that yeah. we will always love. Um, but the, and thing, the things we do to get like, I, I just, I just had a conversation with myself this week. Remember, I was telling you, I said, I have to get off the Tinder because Tinder is a distraction. I'm finding mm-hmm. myself uh, going down a uh, a dark, dark uh, road on Tinder because I'm, I want to be with somebody 
and so bad. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on somebody else's time. And when I say, you know, they say, oh, I can't see you this day. Let's do it this time. And I'm like, okay, like I'm making adjustments to make somebody else happy. So, you know, we definitely do crazy things when we want love. I just, I wish we could like bottle up all the tears that she's ever produced, like Uh, made people cry. Like, cause I bet that would be like several fish tanks. I mean, (laughs) baby, it started with chasing pavements. Uh, Hello. uh, Missing you. Like that album, Mm -hmm. the, the album with hello on it, baby, those songs, baby. Yeah. Those songs were deep too. She definitely, let me tell you something. The one thing y'all don't want me to do is get me a bottle of wine and put on some Adele. <laughs> what yeah, What is a party I, like at Leah's house? Wine and Adele. <laughs> wine and Adele. Wine and Adele. Yeah. Don't don't go there. We don't want to. <laughs> we not, will, we will all be crying and in our feelings. <laughs> Leah and I have two different types of parties. Like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Mine's more of like, we're playing like, let's get soaking wet and like everybody's dancing by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> and here totally I... Totally different And I'm, I'm, I'm making people cry at my parties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we listening to Phyllis Hyman and Adele. Seriously, uh, it's one of my favorite albums this year. And I don't listen to many albums from beginning to the end. And this is one of the albums that i can listen to from one all the way through to the last track it's really good i do think that's something really neat that she uh proposed and pretty much made spotify do was take off the shuffle uh choice on albums yeah Uh, she's like if you know if i'm gonna work so hard on this then people need to listen to it in the order that i arranged it and so that was a really yeah. neat uh, contribution from her. On that note, uh, as much as I don't <laughs> want to cry anymore, <laughs> let's move on to the get to know you question. Oh, hell. Don't answer this, but one of these were like, what's your favorite smell? What the fuck? Mm. <laughs> Do you I feel mean, like I you want to answer, answer that? that? You want to answer that? I can answer that one. Oh, no. Uh, I think it's actually a good story. Oh, do you want to? Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, y'all, we're going to go with this. So, my question for you is what? what's your favorite smell? So, being totally honest, um, it is my ex boyfriend's like uh, cologne. Oh, no, that's <laughs> like to this day. Yeah. And so, after the breakup and like three months after we were broken up, I actually text him and i was like what was the name of the cologne that you used to wear like i need to know what this cologne is and so he told me and it's like a cologne that i have to like special order from france oh. and so if you ever smelled my cologne now you know like what my favorite smell is because i use my ex-boyfriend's scent <laughs> so, oh. yeah <laughs> so yeah that's my favorite smell and as as Awkward as that is now, it's still something I enjoy. It just it's that like does it lean like were you after you were you smelling it and in, in your bed sheets and stuff after? I mean, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Is like you would smell it and you know because I mean he would be around obviously yeah. and and I, and like one time like he sprayed my pillow and stuff with it like whenever because I used to live long distance like in oh. Atlanta and. um 
So like, I think that's part of what it was, but two, I just really have always been like attracted to that cologne. And so that is my favorite smell story. (laughs) Well, and honestly, I do like a, a good fragrance. Like I'm going to tell you how I pick my fragrances. Like, uh, since I was a flight attendant, I used to, if anybody, if a lady walked past me and the thing is you want, you want something that captures somebody's attention and it lingers. Mm-hmm. So if a lady would walk past me and I'm, and it's, it lingers, I say, I would be like, ma'am, excuse me. What is that you're wearing? Because it smells so good. And then that's how, that's how I pick my fragrance. Like right now I'm wearing a, a light blue Dose and Gabbana and people Ooh. love it, you know? Um, yeah. and, um, so I was wearing Paris Hilton for men, which is a, don't judge me y'all <laughs> shut up. It is a unisex <laughs> cologne perfume. It is a sweet smelling and I get a lot of compliments on it. So, uh, but, and I think, uh, Alaska, uh, shouted me out, uh, cause she asked me one time what I was wearing. She shouted me out on her podcast, uh, race chasers, hashtag race chasers. Um, on, <laughs> on the podcast for wearing Paris Hilton. So I get you. I definitely understand that. I always tell people if it's a cologne, that's like, makes me think mysterious in a good way, mm-hmm. like not mysterious in like a, something smells weird type of way. <laughs> then that, then that's a good cologne. So, right. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, my question for you today is which cartoon character do you wish was real because you are either attracted to them or want to be like really good friends with them? Okay. So this is a really easy. It is a character that I have been wanting to be uh, for Halloween for so many years. Uh, unfortunately, she barely wear clothes and I have to cover <laughs> up every part of my effing body. Um <laughs> And I think we all may know this person. I think w- maybe Halloween 2022, she may ha- it may happen. And it's Foxy from Drawn Together. You remember her? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I can eat I would either love to be friends with her or I could I would want to be her because just her attitude, her sass. I think it's me. I would definitely like to play her in the movie too. Like, I feel that I that's that. my character, y'all. If y'all watch the, yeah. the cartoon Drawn Together, uh, Foxy, is that's my character. That that would be me. I'm going to make a side-by-side <laughs> and post it on <laughs> Leah Foxy. Leah Foxy. No, you wait till I wait for Halloween when I do it and be like, girl, it, I will yeah. be, be Foxy from, uh, uh, then be like, this was her then, this is her now. Y'all, I walked into her house the other night, and she had a damn well suit, okay? So I had a well suit just sitting there, and she's like, oh, this is for you. And I'm like, what? Actually, I have uh, Friday night. uh, I was really intoxicated, and uh, some friends came over after the bar, and I actually put it on, and there's footage of me dancing in it. (laughs) I may send it to you if y'all want to see it. I got to see that. (laughs) There's me dancing in this short costume. Uh, like just completely out of control. But oh I, I got this shark suit because I'm starting to get my things together for when Curtis lose in these competitions, <laughs> I'm going to make him ride a bike in this shark costume. Like oh I got this gosh. stuff planned. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. Those are coming. <laughs> They're coming people. We, uh, 
we've, we've got a lot to film. So. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm so excited that um, I just want to put this out. Drag Queens on Ice. Yes. Um, that's uh, It got rescheduled to yeah. this upcoming Sunday, yeah, December 12th, 12, uh, which is a fundraiser for Kentucky and Applied. Uh, I'll be hosting this event. Um, and I've had, I do have an option to be in on skates or not. And I said, I'm going to challenge myself and try to ice skate. And I have before, but it's been a long time. All right. So I need everyone that hears <laughs> this to go to this event and I need you to video as Leah falls and busts her rear end on this ice, because unfortunately I'm not going to make it this weekend. Uh, so I need people to video this and send me those videos. <laughs> yes, it is at Paris Town, uh, 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, drag Queens on Ice. It's going to be a hoot. All right. Well, let's jump into our Heart to Heart, uh, the segment we call Weathering Rainbows, which yes. is the show's title. Um, do you have something that you want to get off of your chest this week? I, again, you know, I said, like I said, I've been in my feelings uh, listen to this Adele album, we're going back to Adele, but listen to this album have made me reminisce on past relationships and things that I've done wrong, things that I've done better, um, things, you know, I could do to better myself because I'm not saying uh, a lot of my relationships failed because uh, you, we're so quick to put the blame on the other person. But sometimes I have to sit back and be like, Leah, um, you know, what are some of your faults, you know, in that didn't make it work? You know, um, some of my relationships, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moody, you know, uh, some of the relationships I'm bossy, um, some of the relationships, um, you know, sexually, I'm not, a, I, I've, I've never, I've, I haven't been attracted to the, you know, guys. So it's like, you know, I, I guess I, I'm just battling with myself and, you know, that's why I'm, I'm just taking time out for myself right now to just focus and find myself before I drag somebody else into, you know, this world of mine and, and damage them. Yeah. Cause we're, I, I we're mean, so, we're point. so quick. We're so quick to point the finger and be like, he did this, he did that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what we did, you know, Let's look in the right. mirror and say, this is what, this is what your faults are. This is what you can do better. You know, um, mm -hmm. you know, I have a bad habit of, um, in my past, in my last relationship, I had a bad habit of, uh, throwing how much money I made more money than him. And I was like, I make more, you know, I, right. you know, I, I hurt, I was hurting his feelings, making him feel less than me. And so these mm -hmm. are things that I, I realize that I'm working on, like, you know, uh, not trying, not so much hurting people's feelings, you know, making them feel less than me, you know, the race relationship yeah. is equal. And I think that's a great point in terms of, I do think we always got to be reflective. Um, but one thing I would say as you're doing this, also remember not to kind of uh, reminisce on gaslighting uh, yeah. somebody might have told you that you had these flaws yeah. um, and it not necessarily be the truth. Yeah. So I think we can, you know, you can always reflect openly, uh, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes it was them, yeah. you know, sometimes there are things that they did wrong, Yeah. Uh, but it's also important to kind of see both sides of that story and, and accept like, 
there's things that I could have done better too. Yeah. The relationship is a two way street. Yeah. I think we talked about this as well. Like just, um, getting angry. If, if you don't get a, a text or call or, you know, I think my, my, I, my thing is trust. And that maybe we'll talk about that next time. We'll, we'll cut, we'll leave that where it is. Cause trust is a whole nother issue when you're yeah. going into dating and relationships and even friendships. Right. Trust is yeah, a whole, so we'll save that for next, next, next uh, episode. Yeah. Cause that'll be a long discussion <laughs> for us. <laughs> I think for me this week, um, it's something that kind of always pops up at the holidays. And I think a lot of people go through it. It's just that general feeling of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and But mine's a little different this year because I've been surrounded by so many great friends yeah. and uh, you know, this podcast is really just, it's grown tremendously much more than my wildest expectations from when we first started. And uh, I think what, is kind of weird. And I mean, I'm sure you can kind of relate because you're, you're much more well-known uh, mm-hmm. at this point than I am. Um, but, you know, you walk into a place and people know you as, as one person or like they know you for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like you almost become untouchable mm-hmm. in a way. Like, um, so like I was at, you know, I was out the other night and this guy comes up and he's like, uh, you realize you could have any guy in here. And stuff like that. And I'm sitting here going, well, one, I don't really want that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not after just like a one night hookup all the time. Like, that's not what I'm after. But two, I have noticed since starting this show that it it actually has become more difficult for me to have those random, you know, one night stands. Yeah. Um, And I don't know whether that's because, you know, we've worked through a lot of issues on this show Mm -hmm. or if it's uh, you just have that like people start knowing you for something and they kind of start distancing themselves. And I've even noticed that with like some old friends um, being more distant because I've started this show. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know. Do you deal with that? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, and and, you know, like you said, I I do appreciate the compliment when you said I can walk into the room and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's definitely harder for me because which, which you're, what you're seeing, it, I have, if I walk into the room as Leah, yes. The problem is, can I walk into the room as Tony and get the same attention? And that, and the question is, and, and the answer is no. The reason why I'm, I travel a lot is like, I distance myself away from my family because my family is dysfunctional. So I've been alone, um, majority of my life. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with spending the holidays by myself. I'm okay. Thanksgiving, I slept on the couch. I stayed on the couch and watched TV. So I'm okay. I've, I've built up this stamina. Like, I'm okay with just being by myself. Um, and after you go through it so much and you've been through it so much, and I know I'm not alone. I have family. I have you. I have friends. I can do things. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm okay with being alone. Doing the holiday. I mean, and I think that's true with a lot of LGBTQ people. I know I tell people all the time I've spent more holidays alone than I have with a group of people. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I think, <laughs> for a long time, it was personal choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it, it's a day to relax and recover from yeah. the holidays a lot of times from what we've had to go through. 
um, as LGBTQ people for sure. Yeah. Um, so I definitely get that. And I, I just, I know both of our things are pretty relatable to what a lot of people are going through yeah. throughout the holidays. And, um, uh, so we just wanted to share that with everyone. And, um, if you're going through something, I just want to say, reach out to us. Um, yeah. you can go on our Instagram, DM us, and we will uh, get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Um, unfortunately, you know, I've heard of so many people, uh, this holiday season that are from the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community in rural areas, um, that have been, that have tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's anything we can promote, it's, you know, like the Trevor projects line, you know, it does get better. Uh, yeah. but while it's not better, while it's not great right now, reach out to us. That's yeah. what we are here for. So is to at least make it tolerable yeah. uh, until it does get better. Yeah, and the holidays so. can be a little depressing. Like, I'm not saying I've never been depressed, but, like, there's I've just started coping with just being um, by myself on the holidays. So it can be definitely, a few years ago, I used to just turn my phone off. I would turn my <laughs> TV off and just ball up and under a blanket and just sleep all day. And, and yeah. you know, and that's <clears> a choice because I do get, I do have friends that care about me a lot here that I get invited to things. It's just, I just, I would wish, I wish my family was closer and we wasn't as dysfunctional because I would love to be with my family. But unfortunately I have a dysfunctional family and we, we don't, we don't celebrate anything. We don't get together for anything. You know, everybody just do their uh-huh. own thing. So, yeah. um, and I've just started, you know, I've, gotten accustomed to it you know and it's hard for me to be around other people's families having a good time because it may i think that's why i stay at home because if i go around somebody else's family it makes me sad because i'm sad for my family that my family can't be like this yeah i totally understand that i used to deal with that a lot whenever i was um, away from my own family and, and being invited to other people's homes and, you know, it's so nice that people do invite you yeah, to places, yeah, you know, to yeah. come to their families. But I think that's a good point, too. Like, it's okay to not accept that if you don't yeah. feel like you're going to be comfortable going. Yeah. Um, and nobody should get offended if somebody does yeah. say, you know, I don't want to go. Yeah. Uh, it's not anything against your family. It's yeah. just the way we all have Every- to, to deal with yeah, the Yeah, and everybody <laughs> will have a different reason. And, like, my reason is, mm-hmm. like, I... I enjoy going, but it also makes me sad because like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I wish my family was like this. Like, you know, I want to do a family reunion. I want to sit down at a table with my family for Thanksgiving. I want to exchange gifts with my family for Christmas. And we just, I just don't have that kind of family. Everybody just do. We're all over the place in different states and cities. Like, and we just, you know, there, we don't even, there's no phone calls. There's no nothing. And wow. and some families are like that. You know, I'm I've I'm okay with it now. I can talk about it. I'm okay with it because you know, I'm making a life for myself now. And and at some points you grow up and you move and either you stick with the family or you don't. And you know, that is one great thing about the LGBTQ community is yeah. a lot of times we make our own families. Yes. Um, and I have a great family. At least family. those to like supplement in the areas that our families don't do well. Yes. You know, I, for instance, my family, they they are not touchers. They don't hug. They are mm. non-physical touch type of people. Um, so I make sure to get that for my, you know, family and friends that are that are not blood, you know. Yeah. So um, sometimes you got to do those things. And uh, I think today's story is going to be incredible for people. 
uh, as it is a story of somebody who uh, lived a long time uh, as a person not really true to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they are in a great state. They are happy uh, being true to themselves and they kind of tell the story of uh, how they got there. So mm. I look forward to sharing this interview with you all. Yes. Howdy, howdy, y'all, and welcome back. Today we have a very special guest whose name is Dustin Detzer. Um, I'm going to have him introduce himself. Uh, well, I'm uh, originally from Santa Claus, Indiana area, uh, Christie, Indiana, Dale, Indiana. Small towns about an hour southwest of Louisville. Uh, what was family life like for you? Well, I grew up, uh, I had uh, uh, one brother. My parents divorced when I was 13 and he was six. And then uh, my brother and I lived with my dad. Uh, we moved around a little bit in the in the area. And what was uh, what was LGBTQ life like? Uh, was your family supportive or was it something that you grew up uh, hearing negative things? I was in the closet until I was 34 years old. I'm uh, 40. Um, it was was definitely not something that was looked upon favorably where I grew up. Um, there weren't really too many people that were even open and out. It was kind of spoken about like like there was like there was something wrong, you know. It was like something that you would hear in, in like hushed tones, you know. So like uh, the way I grew up with it was that um, you know people would say, you know, hey, you know, Curtis is gay. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it was bad. Like it was something to be ashamed of. Um, I was raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, I had a good experience in the church. You know, everyone was very loving. Um, it was, there was no hate preached in the sermons. Um, but, you know, like my best friend growing up, his uncle was out and open. And I heard a lot of negative talk about him and like I heard a lot of shit talking you know and I was a little boy um so you know it was real apparent to me early that like it wasn't okay you know it was not all right to be gay um so I hid at what age did you uh kind of figure out that you were gay I know you didn't come out till you were 34 um but obviously you probably knew uh, something about your sexuality before then yeah and when I was real young I was Attracted to both men and women, um, but much more to men. Um, I had crushes on like older guys and like um, I just ignored it and I I stuffed it away and I, I hated myself, you know. I mean, I, I really, really hated myself and I did everything I could to not be gay. I dated women. I uh, right. I tried to create this persona of someone that was anything but so anything that I would perceive or could be perceived to be gay or feminine, I ran from and I did the opposite and it was all calculated. So like every decision I made, whether it was how I dressed, what I said, the music I listened to, everything I filtered through that. So I know you also uh, went into the military as well. Um, did 
what was that experience like? And were you closeted throughout the entire time you were in? I was closeted. Uh, I joined the United States Marine Corps in 2001. And it was don't ask, don't tell. And I still, you know, at that time, I still like, I didn't accept myself. You know, I just, you know, I was, I was an athlete in high school. Um, and I had this kind of like walk it off mentality, right? Like, you know, your knee hurts you a little bit, suck it up, walk it off. It'll go away. You know? So I thought I'm just going to keep going. And, uh, this gay thing will just resolve itself. Right. It's just like, that's just like a little minor ticky tack injury. Right. Um, and so I joined the Marine Corps in, uh, 2001, um, went to boot camp in San Diego and, uh, was stationed out in San Diego as well. And that was kind of, you know, I was 20 years old when I joined and that was kind of when I finally realized like, where I accepted, like, you know, I'm gay. Um, and I still didn't come out. I, you know, I couldn't, you know, I had a friend, uh, who I was in with and uh, I didn't know he was gay either. And, you know, he was found out by our little group of friends and he tried to kill himself and, uh, they kicked him out. You know, he didn't get any of his, uh, benefits. I mean, everybody there is there to serve, but you're also there because like, I needed money for college. You know, I had went to Indiana university in Bloomington for two years and was working two jobs and borrowing money. And was just kind of, you know, at the end of my rope too, when I joined. And so like, I never saw him again. I just, you know, I was like, where's, I'm not, I don't want to say his name or anything. I, I haven't talked to him since then. I mean, it's, I was over 20, I was almost 20 years ago. Um, he just disappeared, you know? He was just gone. How long were you in? Four years. So obviously you, you got out of the military and then I, I believe you said you were in several or at least that one relationship thereafter with a woman, correct? I was in a lot of relationships with women. I always had a girlfriend. It was always like a, uh, it was like my armor, you know? So, and when I was in, there's a, there's some people that could just, they knew, you know, like I had posters, I was really into bodybuilding. So it was a lot bigger. Um, and I had posters of bodybuilders all over my room in the barracks. And, you know, I had one first sergeant who who looked at those and he looked at me and he looked at those. And he was like, and he was from Alabama and he had this real thick accent. And he was like, so are you in the, you're in the lifting weights, huh? You know? And I was like, uh, yes, first sergeant. But he couldn't ask me. He knew. I could just tell. He looked me right in the eyes. I looked at him and he knew. And, you know, like... I went to, I deployed twice to Iraq and, um, you know, there's women that serve in the Marine Corps too. In those situations, you know, it's, it's illegal by military law, but there's lots of sex happening and there's very few women and the guys are very interested in those women on deployment. And they were kind of like, man, Dustin isn't really interested in us. <laughs> you know, I was just going to the gym and lifting weights. Um, and so they, they, they asked my friends if I was gay and, you know, then, you know, one of them asked me and I said, why don't you ask my girlfriend, you know? So that was always like my, my, like, I can put this to rest right now. What was your longest serious uh, relationship with the girl? Well, I got married um, to a woman in 2011 um, because I just decided, so when I got out of the Marine Corps, I went back to, to IU Bloomington and it's hard for me to explain 
but the way I felt about my sexuality was that it was as if I had like murdered someone. Right. And like, I have got to take this secret to the grave, you know, like I'm just going to do my best uh, to fit in with everybody and, you know, not be gay and I'll just die. No one will ever know. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps though, I thought I, I need to, I'm going to start dating guys. On, I'm just going to do it on the down low. And I was so like methodical about and so paranoid about it that like, you know, I, I checked around Bloomington and made sure there was no one there that was there when I was there before. So like no one could see me or no one would know or find out. And when I figured that out, I was like, all right, I'm going to start dating uh, guys. Um, my father died. Um, and so that really threw me uh, for a loop. I was 25 and my brother was 19. He had just went to college and he found uh, my father. And uh, it was a really traumatic experience for him. And that kind of threw my whole life upside down. My brother moved in with me and I just decided like, I can't do this now. I just, I'm just gonna go back to just, I'll just be with women. And uh, that's how it'll be, you know, and, and it was, it was so, so, so bad. You know, I developed a drinking problem. I, I hated myself. It made me mean. It made me mean to other people. You know, it sounds real cliche, you know, when people say, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. But it's the absolute truth. It was like, I didn't only not love myself. I fucking hated myself. You know, yeah, and you definitely can find yourself. I mean, that's whenever you start to cope with things through alcohol and addiction. And I think that's uh, one of the main reasons that that's so prevalent in our community. Um, You have a lot of people that are dealing with a lot of these deep issues that turn to this to as an escape, you know. So um, I know we've all kind of been there on that. Absolutely. Um, And it just makes things worse. It just makes things worse. Um, How long were you married? I was married from 2010 until 2015 when I came out, or 2016 when the divorce was final. What was that difficult conversation? Uh, what was that like? Oh, my God. Difficult. It's an understatement. Um, <laughs> to kind of get an idea of, like, how I was, I... You know, I, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm stubborn, you know, I was like, I'm just going to ride this out. And I started, I was planning to kill myself in a way that because I, because I, I did love my wife and, uh, I still love her as a human being. We're not in contact anymore. Um, and so I didn't want her to, I wanted to, to kill myself in a way where she would get insurance money. Right. And then it would look as if I didn't kill myself. So I'm planning this out and uh, I started meditating and doing yoga and then it kind of just ripped it out of me. It was like, I just got to come out. And I texted um, a friend of mine that I was in the Marine Corps with another friend and told them first and um, just started the process and it was really, I wouldn't recommend to do it the way I did it if you're in a similar, similar situation. Uh, because then uh, the next day we were like driving to Costco and I still hadn't told my 
my wife. But I had told, you know, some family members the night before and my, my, my good friend from the Marine Corps and another good friend that was out of town. And uh, we were driving and I was just like, I've got to do this, you know. And I was getting ready to tell her and I mentally broke. Um, I started to have a, like a PTSD episode. Um, I just, I wasn't well and I had to go home and I proceeded to have a complete mental breakdown. And I told her, you know, and I was really, it was really, really, really bad for about three weeks. It was the most terrifying and humbling experience of my life. Um, it was really hard for her. It was really hard for me. It was hard for everyone in my life. It was the most difficult thing I've ever experienced. I know you said that meditation uh, kind of helped you through this. And I know that's a lot of what you do now. Um, I know you do some personal training and, and that sort of thing. Uh, walk us through kind of coming to that realization that it's like it is time you have to do this um, and how meditation kind of worked you through that. I, I practice kind of a blend of Buddhism and yoga. And Buddhism and yoga, the ultimate goal of those two systems is to realize the ultimate nature of reality. Truth, right? Truth. And I'd been lying. My whole life was a lie. And it pulls it out. It just like pulled it out of me. It was like, I, it was like, I have to do this, you know? So once you start sitting with yourself, not with an app, you just practice like, the Buddha practiced or like the yogis practice. You can't turn away from reality, you know, and it's, it's good in the long run. Um, and now I, I maintain that practice and I'm, I'm happier and healthier than I've ever been or that I could ever even imagine could be, you know, compared to my previous life. Um, and it just, it's a way that keeps me grounded and, uh, focused on what's really important. I know this is a difficult topic. And so if it's something you don't want to discuss, just let us know and we can move on. Um, but I do want to discuss, you were in a marriage, uh, for quite some time with a woman and you were hiding this huge secret, um, about yourself. I think especially for Kentuckians, we have a lot of men, even today, that are in uh, what would be deemed heterosexual relationships, mm -hmm. um, that are married to women, mm -hmm. uh, that have these same feelings that you're going through. What advice, um, first I want to get into, how did you manage to maintain that secret for so long? Um and then second would be, what do you want to tell those kind of people that were in your position um, that are kind of feel trapped in these marriages? My parents got divorced when I was 13, and my father kind of raised my dad and my brother after that. My, mo my mother was a severe alcoholic, and uh, my father was an alcoholic as well. And that's not the same thing about their character. They just had a problem. Um, and so my dad was a very old-school masculine kind of guy, you know, he was a, a union carpenter. He was a collegiate athlete. Um, it was very much, you know, like I was, I was a 
football player in high school. You know, I was like the homecoming king and and all this stuff. And it felt it was all I never like could enjoy anything because I wasn't myself. It was a lie. You know, it was like any kind of like positive thing I even accomplished or did. It was just like it was somebody else, you know, because it wasn't me. Um, so it was it was easy for me, easier for me, I think, to maintain it because I, I came off. I could present so straight, you know, I, I, I did it intentionally, but it's kind of like how I, you know, I was, you, you cue on the person that raised you really. And I always cued on my father. And so, you know, he was like a real kind of alpha dude, you know? Um, so I knew, I knew I was always around him. Like when I was a little boy, he would take me <laughs> probably not the best parenting strategy, but you know, you'd go play softball and like stand around the back of a pickup truck and like drink beer with his buddies till late in the night. I was standing right there, you know? So like, I was like, I knew how to act. I knew how to, I knew how to talk. I, you know, I, I played sports and I, I watched sports mostly for like a social kind of currency. So I could like, you know, and being in the Marine Corps, it's like the same. They're, they're, they're training you for a specific reason, uh, thing to do, right? War. But it's also like they're they're kind of stripping you down and building you up culturally how they want you, right? And that includes how you walk, how you talk, how you emote, right? So like right. it's all – I was all kind of like acting all the time. And like I said, I was so like terrified of someone finding out that I was gay that it was like real – in my mind, it was like a real life and death thing. So I just I just did it, you know? It was just um, – and – to people that were are like me that are in a marriage with a woman and they're not being true to themselves you've you've got you've got to come out you've got to be honest with everybody because i caused myself and other people so many so much suffering because of my secret you know because of my secret i mean you know like i said i was yeah. I wasn't a real nice person and like, you know, my, my ex-wife could have been with somebody else and, you know, I could never love a woman like they need to be loved. Right. Because so many people focus on the, the sex part of uh, your sexuality. Right. But it's, it's romantic too. It's like, I, you know, I, I couldn't romantically be with a woman because I'm, I'm gay. You know, like I, they don't understand that, it's not just the sex part, the bedroom part, you know? Um, right. And so like, that's, that's harmful to the woman as well. And like, and if you have kids, I mean, the suffering that they're going to have to endure uh, because of your decisions is, you know, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary for that suffering to happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when you say you wasn't a nice person, like in general, like that was that attitude or, you know, just, explain that just kind of a asshole okay, you know? okay. and I, I i definitely understand that because i i can relate that because like when i'm when i was trying to figure out my gender and like who i want to be like i felt trapped in the wrong body and i didn't know how to handle it so um i became like this very aggressive nasty person um and it took this lady one day I don't know where I was. I was somewhere in Texas and I was 
I was walking, I was at a bus stop and this lady kept looking at me. I was so angry with myself and hated myself. This lady was looking at me and I I just went off. I was like, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, do I have shit? I'm like, I just went, that's how nasty I was. And she was like, she stopped me and put her, my, her hands on my shoulder. And she was like, baby, let me tell you something. Just because somebody's looking at you don't mean that it's bad. She said, I was just admiring how beautiful you were and your eyes. And like, it was a compliment. And then oh. that day I was like, you have to do something, you know, you have to, you know, figure out who you want to be. So I, I definitely understand that part of it because it, 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 it do, it fucks with you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand what you're saying. Um, you know, um, I was, you know, I was, I was an all state football linebacker in high school and it's because I liked the violence, you know, I was, mm. I was fucking angry. I was angry. Yeah. I was an angry person. I don't. I don't even like the game of football. I liked. I liked hurting yeah. people um, because mm-hmm. I was so mad. Um, yeah. You know, when I was in the Marine what Corps, uh, you know, if anybody ever said anything about the way I walked, you know, so I have a little swish to my walk, and mm-hmm. I would fight him or start try to fight him immediately. I was like immediately. If somebody said something, even joking, um, and like that's. Oh, that's not good for, for the person that's that angry. I mean, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about when you're hateful or angry, it's like squeezing a hot coal to throw at someone else. You're just, you're just burning through your hand. You know, yeah, you might hurt that other person with that hot coal, but you're really harming yourself more than anything. Um, and, and it just, and it accumulates, you know, it accumulates and accumulates. Um, but I understand what you're saying, Leo. Totally. I can totally relate with that. Yeah. I mean, I even went to jail. Like I, I, I had anger management, like, cause I was so, um, confused with, with, with myself and, um, and we're talking like in my twenties or late twenties, early twenties. And I, I, I had incidents where I was so angry and went to jail for like just throwing the one I mean I just had the worst attitude like it was so bad and I said you have to I at some point I have to figure out who I want to be and what I want to do because at the point this at this point when you're going to jail because I have assault charges which I don't know if I have them anymore but this was many years ago they should be gone but I have assault charges because that's just how bad my attitude was because I I just hated myself I always, uh, it's, this is a really neat cause it's kind of a surprise conversation of something that I've been uh, writing a lot about. And, uh, one thing I I've noticed is like whenever you're in your youth and you haven't come out and you're dealing with this, having to play the straight character, um, I think a lot of us take one of two paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, what's so unique about this conversation is it seems like you have taken kind of intermingled both of those paths. Um, and that is one, you will see, uh, the gay person becomes super, like they will excel at everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of stems from the fact that they feel like if they're high achievers, that they won't, um, whenever they do finally come out, that they'll be accepted. Um, because that's the way a lot of us show, uh, got acceptance from our parents and stuff is by doing high achievement. Mm -hmm. Um, the other path is kind of what I call, uh, the troublemaker path. Um, and I always say, you know, I was the high achiever path, but I admire the troublemaker path more 
And the reason for that is a lot of kids uh, that are going through this, they become troublemakers because they're starting to stand up for their own identity. Yeah. Um, and you see that with them as children. And so like, that's really neat to me that they're able to do that so young, but it oftentimes does lead to jail time. It leads to yeah. uh, other types of trouble, um, mm -hmm. losing scholarships, those kind of things. Um, so I just thought that's really neat that you kind of have uh, both of those. Um, can you kind of talk about the ways that you kind of excelled? I know you kind of said you were, you were on the football team, uh, those kind of things. And was that a way that you kind of were pleasing your family? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I excelled in athletics mostly. I had good grades and I wound up, you know, going to law school and doing that. And, um, yeah. And it, and it was a please my family a lot. I remember being in seventh grade and, you know, someone asking my dad or asking me like, Hey, I hear you're playing football. Do you like that? And before I could answer, he was like, he loves it. You know, right. I was like, Oh, all right. I guess I love it. You know? Um, yeah. The day I quit baseball was like the most devastating day to my family. So I totally get that. Yeah. Well, y'all are lucky because I was a cheerleader. So <laughs> I, I was, you I, have I, listen, I initially wanted to be a majorette and twirl the baton, but I went into that audition. They said, no, males allowed. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> so wow. The, the lady that was over it, she said, won't you go try cheerleading? I said, okay. <laughs> I want to be a baton twirler, honey. And they was like, nope. You and Leslie Jordan. I feel Listen, like you are the baton twirler. <laughs> I, I, I was not, I was very feminine at, in, in high school. And I, I hated PE, gym, whatever they call it. I hated that because you, we were forced to play sports. And I remember playing football one day and they never, threw the ball to me. And one time I was open and at the end and the, they, the guy decided to throw the ball at me and I caught it. And I think I earned respect from all the boys in school because <laughs> I caught that ball. And I was like, what do I, I was like, they were like, run. I'm holding the ball. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> that, and that's the closest to, to fucking uh, gang, uh sports that I've done. So I, and I relieved that that moment lived rent free in my head because I remember the look at those boys when I caught that football. Yeah, I mean the sports thing too. It's like the whole coming out or being in the closet. It's about acceptance, you know. And I think yeah, it's an yeah. evolutionary a feature of human beings that you want to be accepted by other people because if you think back in our past when we were like cavemen. You know, if they're like, man, we don't like Dustin, you know, then you don't get food and you don't, mm -hmm. you, you die. And so that's because yeah. I question myself or someone, like, why do I care? Like, why do I care? Why can't I just be who I am? You know? And I think that's the reason why. And when I, where I grew up in sports, if you're on the football team, you were treated special. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird now looking at it from a adult outside perspective, but it was a small rural community and football was a big deal. You know, I mean, you know, you got treated differently. You got preference. Yeah. You, you had privilege if you're on the football team. So like that really, like I'm accepted. I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm good, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, 
So let's talk about your path to happiness. Obviously, whenever you came out, um, anytime you come out in that situation, it's going to be difficult. But you are now, uh, you said earlier, you're the happiest point in your life. Talk us through that journey. Well, um, yeah, so I came out in 2015, uh, got got over that that uh, that hump. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns <laughs> right after that. It was some dark times for about a year. Uh, you know, I... I struggled with alcohol um, mm-hmm. before that, and I continued to struggle with it. And uh, and I was just trying to get my ex-wife, um, make sure she was okay, and like that it was the easiest transition for her as I could do. Um, and you know, I I went kind of nuts for about a year. You know, I how you know I dated a lot of guys and not for the purpose of like a relationship, but, you know, just for fun and just, you know, I just, I really struggled. And then when I finally started to like, and I, I I started working out more and like, um, the working out started off as I wanted to look good, you know, because I'd get on apps and be like hit on guys and they wouldn't respond to me. And I'm like, Hmm, well, maybe if I got a little hotter, (laughs) <laughs> that would help, you know? And then it changed into something else to where it was just, it was more about how I felt and more about my health. And so I slowly start, stopped drinking, um, just, you know, slowly, uh, one day at a time type thing and started making slow changes. Um, and then started kind of turning myself into somebody who I would want to date. You know, that was the key for me. I started thinking, I think I heard actually on a podcast, it was like someone gave advice of like, think of some attributes that you respect. Like if you saw these attributes on someone that you were thinking about dating, you'd be like, I I genuinely respect that. And then turn yourself into that. And through that process, you will attract somebody that you'll be interested in actually having a, a real authentic relationship with. And so through that process of doing that, I, I, you know, I started to, you know, because I was boxing when I first moved down here a lot. My brother died in 2013 from a a mixture of heroin and cocaine. And that was devastating to me. I was living up by Chicago at the time I was working for the VA. Um, And uh, I transferred down to the Louisville office to be closer to my mom who lives down here. And that really fucked me up beyond what I can even tell you. Um, I was still in the closet at that point. Uh, And so it just, you know, he was 26. And so I just had to, I had a lot of, you know, I I finally started going to therapy. That helped a lot. Meditation, the working out, to getting off the alcohol. Um, and if you find yourself or you need to make a big change in your life, what I've found is because I now train people and help them with these kinds of things, whether it's just losing some weight or like really changing their life. Um, it's small, small steps, little bitty changes. You know, when you, when you try to go real big, 
you're, you'll inevitably fail. And then you're like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm working out. And I'm not doing this and that. And you might power through for like a few months or even a few years. But then when you fall off, generally the, the, the kind of the mental game of that is you, you get mad at yourself and you, and you just go back to your old ways and you go back further than where you started. And the key is, the absolute key is to make a change that's so small that it seems like it's too easy. Um, I had a client um, who was drinking 30 beers every night and he weighed like 300 pounds and he was really at the end of his rope, you know, and uh, you know, how we started was, I mean, he's running marathons now or he was, I haven't talked to him in a while, but you know, how we started was I'd say, man, can you drink 29 beers a night? And he was like, I can't, I can't. It's like, okay, well, can you dump out half of the 30th one? And he was like, I can do that. I'm like, is it too easy for you? There can't be any resistance. Like, it has to be, like, too easy. Like, say you get up at 6 a.m. I'm like, can you get up at 5.59? Can you set your alarm for 5.59? You're like, it seems silly, right? You're like, of course I can. It has to be that easy. And then you ingrain that, right? So then, and, you know, I'd talk to him every day. I'd say, did you dump it out? Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, and then when that's ingrained, when it's totally, that's just what you're doing. It's automatic. Then you move it up just a little more. All right, can we just drink 29 tonight? I can do that. All right, can you get up at 5.58? Mm-hmm. And you just build and build slow and don't put a time limit on yourself. You know, like a 30-day challenge or, you know, in five years I want to be doing this. That's fine to have goals, but it's kind of, it. it's not conducive to the process of change. You know, you got to focus on the actual process, not the goal. It's, you know, eyes on the prize is wrong. Eyes on the process is key. Eyes on the process. Yeah, that's, I mean, that can definitely be a very long journey, but it's also, I mean, you're correct, totally correct. It's the minor little changes over time that, that add up. Um, and I just want to say, I know Leah and I are, I think, both just kind of yeah. taken aback in terms of just, honestly, the amount of trauma that you've gone through and, and yeah. managed to get through um, to live this more happy, uh, life. So, yeah. um, I know we both admire you for that. Um, talk us, uh, I know you're a, a personal coach now and, and stuff like that. And you also have a podcast, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you and, and, uh, potentially even reach out to, uh, ask about your services. Yeah, sure. Um, best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram. I'm at holistic personal training, eight, one, two. Um, and I, my system is a blend of uh, yoga, mostly kettlebell training. We use other tools too for the fitness aspect, uh, meditation, and it's customizable to whatever your goals are. You know, I have clients that just want to look good. I have clients that want to ease their stress and learn how to meditate. And my whole goal is not, is to teach you how to do it on your own. So. If one day if I'm gone, you're like, you know, I don't need him. I know how to do this. And you have this thing that you can do for the rest of your life. And that's one of the reasons why I primarily focus on kettlebells. I'm a kettlebell specialist. It's just an iron cannonball at the handle. They're relatively cheap and you can take them anywhere. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, like Navy SEALs and, you know, elite military people use them in war zones because you just, you just need that one thing. You don't need a big gym. You don't need anything special. You know, you just got to know how to use it. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, holistic personal training, eight, one, two. Um, you can email me at, uh, holistic.fitness 
812 at gmail.com if you'd rather email. And uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Oh, the podcast? Uh, well, it's a, lot, a little less sophisticated than yours. Um, I kind of just like to, you know, sometimes I do a little philosophy stuff, a little yoga stuff, or uh, I interview people, uh, you know, and I just, just organically just kind of flow and just talk. Um, I need to record some new ones. Uh, just to let our listeners know, I know he's going to put me through one of these uh, boot camp days here soon. So I think in I December, do it too. you're welcome. Oh, you're welcome. Right. To I've, seen, too, I've, seen some of the, I've seen some of the videos and I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, very hardcore. I don't know how long I'm going to last, but well, it'll be adapted to your, your abilities. I don't throw you right into the fire at the beginning. We build up to it and I kind of watch and, and see what's best for you. But, um, Let's let's hook up and uh, I'll I'll hook you up with a, a free session, Leah, and you can tell me what you think about it. I'm excited about that. I do want to go back to, um, okay, so before you went into the military, you knew that you were attracted to men. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, um, like it had to be tough being in the military around all those men. Like, how did you? control that how what did you do like because i mean i know i would go crazy like looking and in the shot like i i could picture myself in the military like around all those men so how did you handle that i just it's just through discipline just self-discipline i always averted eyes you know i was in locker rooms in high school and all that and i just you know i mean it was i was so fearful of someone knowing that like taking a risk of even like, and of course I, you know, I kind of saw some things or whatever, but like yeah. for the most part, I just was just super disciplined with how I acted. And I mean, that's what destroyed me, you know, yeah. was being inauthentic and being not being me 24 seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I looked at a lot of bodybuilding magazines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was really I, the I bodybuilding. <laughs> I hear a lot. I have a lot of military friends and I, I kind of enjoy hearing the stories. Like I'm like, y'all should write a book. Like, cause I would definitely read this kind of soft porn novel, you know, of <laughs> the military. I mean, I would, if I, I would, my book would be called the barracks, you know, like the barracks. what happens, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories. So it's like secret places and, you know, yeah, I never engaged in that because I was I was terrified of getting kicked out and losing my benefits. Um, you know, like, but I, I did I did I think that erotic, some erotic like military theme gay porn would be pretty great. Yeah, I would be I'd be into it. <laughs> I think there's a club called the Barracks, and it's. Uh, <laughs> it's I'd say there's some military guys that probably go there. <laughs> I mean. We should we should try to find it and go. Oh. Another another yeah. adventure, Curtis and Leah. Another adventure, filter. Oh, oh, oh Lord. <laughs> so speaking of that, I think this is a great uh, way to bridge into what we call our heap of trouble segment. One event comes to mind. Uh, Chad and I uh, were on vacation in San Diego, and we had a little Airbnb, and it was like in Pacific Beach. And it was like, if you've ever been to those kind of little beach communities, they'll, they'll like make little, 
apartments out of every little space they can get. So it was like this kind of like on the side of this building. And there was another, there's like this whole building was probably Airbnbs, but it's just like a little house. It was broken up into tiny little uh, rooms. And we got there and we were having fun and we decided to, you know, play a little bit and we're full blown having sex. And uh, all of a sudden the door opens and I heard Chad go, ah. and then I heard a woman's voice go, Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and, um, well, this woman thought it was her Airbnb and walked in on us having sex. And then the next day, uh, Chad and I were out in front and then this guy walks out and he's like, Hey guys. And he's smiling. I'm like, Oh, he, she told him. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she got to see something live. She'd probably never seen before. <laughs> wow. I'm sure she probably enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> These Airbnbs, like, I'm starting to get scared of them because, you're like, that's the second story I've heard this week where somebody's, like, walked in on an Airbnb yeah. and, wow. I don't trust them, honey. <laughs> I watch too many movies and I think cameras are there. I'm not getting, I'm trying to give no free show. <laughs> you better pay, you better pay me. So... That's crazy that that happened. You know, that happened to me uh, in Los Angeles a um, uh, couple of years ago. I flew in and uh, was I working for the airlines? I think I was working for Delta. And um, I ended up meeting this guy. And as soon as we checked into the hotel, we immediately started making out. Cole's still on. We started making out. And then, like, the manager, supervisor walked in and... I was like, uh, excuse me. He was like, oh, I'm just checking to make sure everything was good. Yeah, but could you have knocked first? Seriously. <laughs> you just don't walk into nobody's room like that. I was like, but it was like in LA, it was one of these, it was by the airport. And I think it was like a track, like a drug or something hotel. I don't know what it was, but it was like only one. If you check in as one person, they that's they only want one person in the room. It's like a holiday inn. So I don't, I don't know if he saw me walk in that guy walk in with me, but it was like, dude, you didn't even knock. You just like walked in and we were like full making out with our clothes on, like grinding and humping. And I hear the door open and he just walks in. Wow. And I'm like, and he's like, is everything okay? Bitch, everything is okay. Get out. <laughs> I'm going to have like, I'm going to bring my own deadbolts and stuff now. I'll be like uh, throwing things in the Airbnbs and with the little chains. and Yeah. <laughs> You never know what you're gonna get with Airbnb. I don't, I don't, I don't trust them. I saw that there's a movie on Netflix where the man had a whole tunnel and stuff was watching the people. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I get nervous in my house. I be thinking somebody looking in through the curtains at me. I'm like, oh y'all not gosh. getting a free show. So you are married now? No, no, no. You're not married. No, um, we hold ourselves out as married. We're monogamous. Okay. Okay. We've been together for uh, it was five years, September 29th. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. Congrats on that. <laughs> I've, I've never been happier. I never, you know, I, I used to be pretty skeptical, you know, I never experienced true love in my life until wow. I met Chad and, and it changes, you know, it was like, when we first met, it was like, I had to remind myself, I was like, this is, I need to treat this like a drug experience. Like this is a temporary, I need to like not do some crazy shit here because we were just so like obsessed with each other. And just, it was so overwhelming that I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, just, you know, 
chill out, man. Like this will this will change and and be different. And it's it has. I mean, we're we're still madly in love, but it's it's changed. And I just I'm 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 so grateful that I could experience it. You know that I I could die tonight and be a happy man. Feel like my life is complete. Oh, that's so sweet. Wow. We're we're and we're we are grateful for you. Can you just rub some of that energy off of me and Curtis? Yeah, right. Yeah. right? <laughs> like, give us some like Reiki energy right now. We need right. Like <laughs> practice gratitude every day, and you can you can start to feel a little bit of that yourself. And and I'll I'll kind of show you in, in our sessions how I do it. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, happiness is not dependent on another person. True happiness yeah. and peace comes from within. Um. And I think that's where a lot of folks get in uh, trouble is where you look at like trying to find someone is like you're buying a car, right? If you need a car, you need a car, right? So you're like, okay, here's what's available. Here's what, how much money I have. And like, I got to buy a car. You don't have to be with anybody. And when you, when you think you do, that's when you'll ignore red flags. And that's when you'll settle for someone that's not a right mm-hmm. fit. And I think, and then that, you know, that just snowballs into a bad situation for you because you can it, you don't need to have somebody to be happy you know you can have yeah, somebody great not have somebody great you know i'm happy i just <laughs> you am slowly starting to allow myself to like potentially date again you know and i think that's the struggle like you go from this i think you like for me like i reached happiness so much as a single person and now to like start allowing myself back out it's like yeah I'm starting to get heartbroken again. Like guys because, are mean. Because <laughs> you, you put, you move, you put everything, you put your apples, you put everything in it at once. It, you got to gradually get to, you know, you want to move, you want it, bam. So then I'm you get your feelings hurt. You get your feelings <laughs> hurt when they don't call you back. You got, stop giving, stop giving the, the good goods up on the, you know, make them wait. <laughs> I have I have two little. I saw that look. I have two little pieces of advice. You can take it or leave it. Um, I would say keep in mind, even with dating and with everything in life, have wholesome intentions. Right, make sure your intentions are wholesome, but don't mm-hmm. attach to the outcome. It's mm-hmm. attaching to the outcome is where you. That's what creates suffering. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, man, I'm really into this guy and you guys start dating yeah. you're, and your tensions are whole. Right. You're not like we're wholesome, I should say. OK, that's good to go. And then it all falls apart. He ghosts you, whatever happens. If you can train yourself to not attach to that. OK, great. That's over. I'm, I'm here now and I'm moving forward. And that's it. That's in the past. You know, um, it's where you great. the way you respond mm-hmm. to that. It's that attaching to like, oh, I, I liked him so much or I wanted this to be this or that. And then it's not. That's where the, the suffering comes in. Um, wow. And I would also suggest like, you know, when I started to date to like find somebody, I with I withheld. I withheld. When I really liked him, I didn't have sex with him for a while. <laughs> You know, wow! I do that too, people. I don't know. <laughs> Leah's gonna make me sound really bad sometimes on this show. No judgment. Good, like, right? Uh, oh, Lord. I, I think, and I agree with you. I, for me, I think sometimes, like as a Libra, I'm very. Uh, I know what I want as soon as I, I, it's there. Like, if yeah. they check all the boxes and all that kind of stuff, then I start to develop the expectations. Like things are going to go well. And it's the expectations that really hurt me whenever they don't happen. Um, And that's just because like, 
I'm also a Libra. I like to be in control of my environment and the things mm-hmm. that I go through. Um, so, so, let go yeah, of that control. That's, that's uh, an illusion. There's we don't have control over anything. I know. I know. So let go of that. <laughs> yeah. Let go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're working on. <laughs> so, uh, you've given a lot of really great advice. What would you say to those uh, kids out there? I would say that you are absolutely perfect the way you are. There's nothing, nothing wrong with you. You're perfect um, with room for improvement, right? But you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, Love yourself. Try not to, if you find yourself falling into substances, try to stay away or find something more healthy to do. And to always remember that everything is impermanent. Everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. The darkest nights will end and the good times will end too. So try to be present with it all and just know that it's just a passing fleeting thing. All right. So just try to love yourself and love everyone else and be happy. Let yourself be happy. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, one of my favorite things that I tell people like, you've survived a hundred percent of your bad days so far and that's a pretty damn good record. So just keep going. Yeah. We do a segment called the pot of gold. Um, it's the last uh, little segment that we will do. Um, it's where you get to ask me a question and Leah a question. It can be literally anything under the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have to answer it truthfully. Leah sounds like she's led a pretty wild life. What's the craziest thing you've done? Oh Lord, that you can say on <laughs> that you can say that won't that won't incriminate you. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of crazy things in this life and time in these forty six years. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one of the craziest things I've ever done, and this was in. I'm going to go back a few years to my 20s, maybe. So in uh, my hometown, Lafayette, Louisiana, um, we I grew up Catholic. I'm Baptist now, but I grew up Catholic. And I was going to uh, Catholic uh, choir rehearsal. And where my grandparents live, the church is far up the street. And then there's a cemetery in between. Well, like you... Uh, back home in Louisiana, they I got teased for walking funny like I'm twisting or, you know, sashaying. So I'm walking to choir rehearsal and I'm just a switching down the street. And this guy comes on a bike and like was like flirting or did. So I don't know what went on. Anyway, to make a long story short, we went into the cemetery <laughs> and yes. Mama got done on top of somebody's grave. And that woman, her name is Mary something. And I, I that woman hunts me till this day because I was on top of her grave. Boom, bum, bum up and like full on <laughs> going in. And while, while, while and at, at, at times I would so look up and just read her name. Her name like, like, oh, hey, Mary. <laughs> yes. So that's one of my many crazy stories. And y'all, I'm telling you, this woman, 
Mary, I'm I'm not gonna forget. I can't remember her last name, but I I guarantee you that woman hunts me. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> I mean, he that's I'm he speechless. Said, you said crazy. That's so. great. <laughs> wow. wow! Thank you for sharing. What a story. <laughs> yeah. Y'all go. I'm telling you, they gonna learn a lot about me this season. <laughs> oh, oh my lord. We'll try to get Mary as a guest on this show one day. <laughs> Mary probably sitting in this room. Mary probably sitting in this room. Like you told this story. Wow. It was. I mean, it was kind of hot though. Like seriously. I mean, uh, I don't even know what to say. It was hot. It sounds pretty hot. That might be some good uh, erotic novel material too. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Curtis, do you have any tattoos? And if you don't, would you get one? And if you were to get one, what would you get and where? So I actually do not have any tattoos. Good boy. Uh, (laughs) See, I've always been torn on it, honestly, because like I like some tattoos on guys, but then I also like see tattoos and I'm like, that just ruined like that perfect like, Adonis, you know, so I've always been just hesitant about it. And I'm also like a Libra. So I can't like, I contemplate everything way too long. Um, however, I actually do want to get one eventually. Um, and there's a really cool, like, it's kind of like an angel coming out of, uh, marble. Um, one of my favorite lines is, uh, um, I saw an angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Um, and so with that, that's kind of what I feel like is a good like line of my life. Um, you know, I, I'm continuously working on myself and, uh, setting myself free in ways that I previously hadn't experienced. Um, so, um, I'll actually, there's a tattoo that one of the famous TikTokers out there has, and I'm just like, I want that tattoo. So I might steal his, which might be mean, but I'm still going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, man. Do what something, you want. Something similar. Yeah. So, we should but get I, one I, together. Oh, Lord. I've never I gotten also, a tattoo. I also am. I'm not a fan of needles. So like, hey. that's what scares me a little bit, too. Like, I don't know if it's painful. Do you have tattoos? Yeah. Yeah. Dustin, you do. Was it painful? <laughs> uh, depends on the spot. I mean, there's always a little bit of pain. I actually kind of like it now. Um, I'd say the most painful one I got was on my rib cage. I want to start off with something small, like a little, a check mark, just to see. I'm going to do like a little check. <laughs> check mark. <laughs> you can be one of those people that gets a little dot. And it's like, oh, I got a tattoo now. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like poop. Just give me a little poke. I'm sorry. I, I don't like pain. I don't like needles or pain either, which is weird because I'm sticking people in the arms like daily. And so... Um, I don't like needles at all. My question will be, Leah and I are really into these whole celebrity crushes right now. Um, so who is your celebrity crush and what is like the most attractive part about them? And this is the part where like your boyfriend has to turn it off. So turn it off. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he's going to like that. (laughs) Um, let me think about that. I'm, uh, Let's say, 
And I think he played the character of Stringer Bell, I think was the name of the character on there, on the show. I can't remember. I can't remember what character. He's a real tall, beautiful black man, you know, great physique, real chiseled face, very dark skin. There's a lot of attractive men on this show, so (laughs) I can Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to come on back now. I know we all love a little vibration, so if you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And we will surprise you on occasion with a new release vibration in your pocket. But in the meantime, if you find yourself alone or crossing new horizons along the rainbow trail and you need a friend or even a laugh, to get you through those dark and stormy nights. Holler on out to us at www.weatheringrainbows.com where you can find shelter in the blogs, videos, and other episodes that will hopefully keep you out of a whole heap of trouble. So until next time, y'all, giddy up, be true to yourself, and make the best of life. And wherever the wild tracks may lead you, may the rainbow Always touch your shoulder.